3: This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. We've never experienced a year like 2020. A deadly pandemic, political division, social unrest, natural disasters. Yet, we're still here, and now so are the holidays.
4: Hi, I'm John Doherty. May this holiday season bring you joy and peace. May 2021 be a better year for all of us. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy and Healthy New Year.
3: Happy Holidays from IBEW Local 98.
4: This is
5: Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams.
1: Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world.
6: It is for those frightened children who want peace, it is for those voiceless children who want
1: change be inspired by women from across the globe true philanthropy
7: comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given
1: who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams what
6: i know to be true is that women were always meant to lead and by shining a light on those doing it well today my hope is that more women will be inspired to use their own
1: voice Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women To Watch, Sue Rocco.
6: Good evening, everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in to another week of Women To Watch. My name is Sue Rocco, and it's great to be here with all of you. Um, And I hope you all had a really wonderful New Year celebration, um, as small as it might have been. As we look back on this very strange and difficult year. I cannot think of a better story to share than the one my guest this evening is going to be telling us about. It's the perfect example of overcoming adversity and looking ahead to better times. My guest this evening is Judy Guido and Judy is the chairwoman and founder of Guido and Associates and she'll be with me in just a moment. For those of you who are new to the show, I hope you'll visit us at womentowatch.net to sign up for our newsletters and our podcasts so you never miss an episode. And to learn more about becoming a part of our on-air watch team, feel free to email laura at womentowatch.net to learn more. That's laura at women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. So now I am very excited and honored to welcome to the show Judy Guido. Judy, thanks so much for being here. Thank you very much for having me, Susan. I thought it would be appropriate to give a shout out at the top of the show to Susan Packard for making this wonderful connection. Our buddy, <laughs> right? our founder right. of HGTV, absolutely. That's right. She's a She's a wonderful connector. So thank you, Susan. Um, And
8: and, and a brilliant businesswoman in her own right. And a very, very giving philanthropic woman as well. She is. She's a whole package.
6: She absolutely (laughs) is. Always doing and creating something new.
8: Absolutely.
6: So I wanted to, um, you know, we're going to be talking about a a really compelling um, story about something that happened to you uh, back in 2017. And before we Tell that story. I wanted to give our listeners a, a sense of uh, the young little Judy Guido and where what I would describe as an incredible bravery and tenacity came from in you. So I know that you grew up in Milford, Connecticut. I
9: did, and you
6: were one of five siblings. Uh, um, yes. And you shared a couple of sweet stories with me previously that I think say a lot about who you who you were and who you are. And um, the first one I'd love for you to talk about is when you were very, very young, around five or six years old, um, <laughs> you tried to track down a bull that got
8: loose in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just another day, Susan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, as you said, I grew up in in Milford, Connecticut, you know, and when you think of Milford, Connecticut, you probably don't think of rodeos, right? No. Um, and, and, and 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 actually Milford and I may be wrong, but as, as far as I remember, there was only one rodeo ever in our in our town and that's when I was a very young girl and somebody decided to hold a ro- rodeo at one of the local, you know, big parks, and so they did. And remember, this was well before, right, cell phones or the internet. You know, this is when you had to dial your telephone, and there were probably three television, you know, channels. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, our town had a rodeo, and next thing we know, there's like a police car, you know, coming in your neighborhood, kind of with their, you know, their PA system saying. Everybody, please stay. You know, please stay in your homes. Um, there is a runaway Brahma bull in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. You know, what? what? And they they would just keep coming around and then of course like i said there was no email or right or text or anything so everyone kind of like came out and was like what's going on and oh my goodness this must be from this rodeo so you know five kids my you know my parents kind of summoned me back and i you know i grew up in a red house with a white picket fence in connecticut right and um i just was always an adventurous let's put it this way i was the only kid in our family of five children my parents literally had to put a harness on me. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you were not the youngest, by the and way. I, no, I was, I was a second to the youngest. And, uh, and I remember seeing a picture with me with a harness. I was like, mom, why do I have a harness? She's like, beauty, you know what you're like. You're <laughs> like, you the only way we can control you. But oh anyway, my so it kind of speaks to the person I am. So to me, I just thought that this was like the most, you know, like a pippy long stopping kind of character. Like, yes. this was like this, this, the coolest thing. That, like, oh my god! Like, not. A, I can't wait to see this Brahma Bull. But like, I bet you, I'm smart enough to, you know, to figure out how to catch it. How to catch him? Um, right? Why not? And save it. the town. <laughs> and yeah. save the day. <laughs> and have it to be a fun thing, a cool thing to do. And so I, I, I you know, a I never, you know. We never we never saw the bull, but the bull did come down our street and we don't know how we missed it. Or I don't I don't remember seeing it. Oh, that's my, my you know, my mom and my siblings if they saw it, but our the bull did come down our street and uh, I just remember just kind of like running in and out of the house by the fence, like waiting for it. And my mom just, you know, like my dad, like, Judy, get in here. Kind get of in thing. the house.
6: You must have been so disappointed to have missed it.
8: I, I was, but I remember yeah. that it was like, you know, I, our neighbors saw it, et cetera. But that, yeah, that I couldn't wait to catch that. And uh, but that's kind of the way I'm yeah. wired that's how you're wired.
6: Well, another, um, another story you shared with me that I think speaks to the fact that you really, you know, as far as helping companies and businesses grow and brand and be more profitable, um, you had this creative flair as well. And at the age of 12, you sent a commercial spot to to the headquarters of Bic Pen,
8: which happened to be nearby. First of all, did they, yeah, did they answer you? is in milford i I did get a letter and here this was the interesting thing um and now that i'm i'm thinking about it and this is probably why my my you know my parents put a a harness i called it a leash my sisters were like it was a harness (laughs) okay Okay. leash harness whatever um but uh i think because like I never had any like boundaries, and that's probably why he needed the harness, right? It was just like to me the whole world like it was just you know there's a boundaryless you know kind of world. Go out and explore it, and, you know, carpe diem kind of thing. Um, yeah. And I did two things when I was younger. One was I remember there was a builder, and I I don't know why you know I wrote him a letter thinking I kind of had a better like model like how to like build homes for him and so i just like, it was <laughs> successful i don't know i just like you know got down on the old typewriter and i wrote to him and he did respond to me and you know i remember him, like you know kind of it's like how old are you right, and I like, oh, <laughs> right. I know I, you know well, <laughs> so i said you know i'm 12. so just i just you know throw this out to help you like you know right. i guess i had that internal coaching <laughs> and and bic Bick um headquarters i guess the north american headquarters was in milford connecticut And I wrote a commercial about, um, I just came up with an idea where a kid was, uh, it was a, it was a school, I can never forget this. It was a a school trip. Um, and they were, um they were visiting Abraham Lincoln's house and all of a sudden there was kind of like this precocious boy who was like at the end of the you know at end of the line and all of a sudden you know the 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 class kept continuing through the home and this one boy kind of was looking at Abraham Lincoln's desk and all of a sudden poof appears the the um the ghost of Abraham Lincoln and he's writing the Gettysburg Address with his plume pen and sticks it in the inkwell and he runs out of ink right and so the little boy is like looking around like am I the only one who's saying this? And he's like, um, he takes his pen, his big pen out of his pocket. And he hands it to Abraham Lincoln, who, you know, thanks him and takes it. And, of course, finishes writing his Getty Bird address with it. And then, the bo- you know, you hear the teacher, like, calling, you know, calling, calling, looking for this kid. And then he bumps into his teacher. And the teacher goes, you know, Mr. So-and-so, you know, where were you? And he said, I, I just saw Abraham Lincoln. He ran out of ink. I gave him my <laughs> pen. And, you know, like- and, like, the teacher, right, really not believing this young boy, just kind of puts her arm around the boy and goes, Oh honestly, Abe. <laughs> and that was, <laughs> That's very clever yeah, for a 12-year-old. I, I, yeah. And I, and that when I and I uh, you know when I wrote to them like, "Hey, this is this would be a great commercial for you guys." So That's you know I, actually yeah, I'm surprised you didn't go. You, I'm surprised you didn't go into that industry.
6: You, you know, a copywriter for. Well,
8: I, I for, have done. I, being a you know a former CMO, and as my, I'm always writing copy, and I and I love it. I just, I think as a kid, I kind of thought in headlines and TV commercials and new newgad. That's just kind of the way I'm wired. So yeah, yeah.
6: Yeah. If you're just tuning in, I'm speaking to Judy Guido, the chairwoman and founder of Guido and Associates. And and Judy is truly um, an expert and thought leader in the technology and green space. Um, Judy, you've described yourself um, as being the ultimate caregiver and, and actually thought about at one point becoming a social worker. I did. when did you yeah tell me um, when you realized that that you could actually do both in other words be helping people and, and actually the planet um, but also be you know make use of that MBA
8: um I think probably early I, I, think, um, I think I think you know as soon as I I got into the workforce really and and I'll even describe you know the workforce as early, As you know before I was even 16 like I became a you know I was a camp counselor with inner-city kids and that was really where my you know that's just the way I was and you know just to see these kids who didn't have a lot and you know you know the littlest things meant so much to them and you know just spending time with these kids teaching them how to swim and you know just almost like you know at a young age at the age of 15 kind of acting as a quasi parents and just really you know saying like every day you can make a day um in people and again my, you know my that my job happened to be being a, a camp counselor right and so i think that's really where the foundation is is like you know you can kind of choose a path where you know your work can help people um, and then, you know, even just as I, you know, as I started working in other companies, when, you know, when you did a good job and you, you know, you would celebrate, you know, you know, small successes and bigger, you know, and you'd see, you know, like the bottom line or the, or the revenue or, you know, or bring together the team, you know, and that's kind of every day. It's like, you know, if, if, if you, it sounds really corny and hokey, but it's like, Every day you really can make a difference. I mean, it doesn't have to be monumental, right? It's not like you you invent the new light bulb every day. But if you can just get... I would say if you can tap into people and get the most out of them, I mean, that's one of the greatest things. And one of my favorite lines that I use with everybody, you know, and and even when I speak to my family and friends, like I always say, I'm like, use your magic, right? Like everybody, you know, everybody was gifted with some kind of unique magic and and use it and, and leverage it to be your best.
6: Yeah, that's great, great, great advice and very, very true. So, Judy, tell me a little bit about, um, we just have a minute before the break. One of your jobs was working on a cruise ship. And I was curious about what that job uh, taught you
8: about marketing. Not not working on a cruise ship. I actually wrote for a company that marketed to cruise ship. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, And it it, it was interesting because it was for... uh, you know it, it was probably one of my first expo- ex- exposures to global audiences and I think one of the things I most learned was there were some things that resonated with everybody right things you know um, you know buyers desires and needs and then there were obviously some really significant cultural differences and words that like you know really words matter and what you know may be positive for one culture may be seen as something very ne- you know negative for others but that was really one of my first exposures really to a global and a cultural audience was you know because it was in these these people would come to uh, St. Thomas um, and, um, I, you know, the company that I work with, they, you know, sold a plethora of things to the, to the people getting off the, uh, cruise ship. So, um, that was my really first expo- exposure to kind of global marketing, if you will. Okay.
6: Listen, we're going to go into our first break. I'm speaking with Judy Guido this evening, the chairwoman and founder of Guido and Associates. Stay with us for our watch team segments and we'll be right back.
1: Now, the women to watch Legal Watch.
10: This is Nicole Hitner at Ballard Spahr Law Firm for Legal Watch. There's been so much change in the way we work, even as lawyers, in the face of the ongoing global pandemic. From Zoom courtrooms to Kitchen Island negotiating tables, I'm proud to report today that Ballard Spar has received the Innovation Award from the Financial Times in the category of Rethinking the Workplace. We're being recognized for our success in developing and adapting Ballard 360 technology to facilitate internal collaboration by centralizing information and automating the way legal documents are reviewed and drafted. It's because of ongoing efforts like this that Ballard was able to pivot so smoothly to a fully remote work environment in the face of the COVID-19 threat and still provide our clients with world-class legal service and our teams with responsive results. It's a new world with a new normal. Ballard is ready to help all the women to watch listeners use this new normal as a platform for launching new, innovative ideas of their own. We can support you in navigating the ever-changing landscape of laws surrounding new ways we're all working, from remote accountability to COVID vaccine dilemmas. Please reach out to me, Nicole Hittner, at Ballard Spar. I'm here with your legal watch, and I'm ready to provide you with the legal support you need to make 2021 a year of ongoing innovation and
11: improvement.
1: Now, the Women to Watch, Military Watch.
11: Happy New Year. Hi, I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military and Veteran Affairs at Comcast, NBC Universal. I hope you all had a wonderful and safe holiday season. You know, in last week's Military Watch, I talked about how the time between Christmas and New Year's Day is a great time to reflect and assess where you are now and where you wish to be in the future. Well, after time of deep thought, it's now time for some action. And an organization that gets veterans and communities they live in moving is Team Red, White, and Blue, or RWB. Founded in 2010 by Army veteran Mike Irwin, Team Red, White, and Blue enriches the lives of veterans by connecting them to their local communities through fitness and social events. Service members transitioning out of the military often do not return to their hometowns, but instead pursue education and career opportunities elsewhere. Team's Red, White, and Blue National Network of Chapters offers these veterans access to a sense of community and to continue the bond of friendship forged through the shared experiences of military service. These connections are incredibly important to veterans, especially as the military community continues to face numerous transitional challenges. What I really love about Team Red, White, and Blue is a byproduct of its work, bridging the military-civilian divide. You don't have to be a veteran to be a member of Team RWB. Parents, siblings, other family members, neighbors, anyone who wants to connect with the military community is welcome. So if part of your 2021 action plan is getting more exercise and find some fun opportunities to break the quarantine blues, I highly recommend you check out Team RWB at TeamRWB.org.
1: This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back. I'm talking to Judy Guido,
6: the chairwoman and founder of Guido and Associates. And uh, Judy, I think probably a turning point as far as your career goes um, would have been meeting Ed Laflame, who had a large Laflamme, large landscaping company. And um, yeah, tell us about that and how that kind of changed the trajectory
8: of your career. C- Crazy Eddie um, and I say that with, <laughs> Eddie, with a lot of love in my heart because he's a wonderful man yeah um, long story short he was a I had worked for a, a a very large real estate concern and I mean we did everything from designing building property management some really kind of innovative things in construction and construction in the building world um, and ed had a um, ed had a successful a landscape company and he wanted to get to know me because obviously, you know, buildings have a lot of landscape and I would be a great sales channel and influencer for him, introduce him to the right people. And he was very involved. He's a -a learnaholic. He and I, that's one of our, we share many things in common, but we're both, you know, uh, chronic learners. And uh, he was really involved in his um, national association. Um, and at, he and I ended up, uh, getting together and working, um, or being involved in a, um, uh, an executive think tank networking. And that's how he and I met. And he would always pick my brain, um, after our meetings and say, you know, gosh, you're really good with strategy and, you know, marketing and sales, you know, tell me about his company. And I would give him ideas, you know, I'd say, Ed, try this, try that. And he'd always come back. He's like, that worked. Give me another one. And then he ended up asking me to um, consult. And I said, you know, I was in my 20s. I'm like, consult. I'm like, I've got this great job. And, you know, the director of marketing for this big, you know, real estate concern. And I'm happy. And uh, he said, would you come to our association and, and meet the executive director and some of the board members? Because he said, I, you know, you've helped me. And I think you can help other companies like that. So I did. I went to one of their conventions. I think it was on a weekend or something. And I went with them. And then they said to me, "Would you could you come back to one of our other you know conventions and give a talk?" So I said, "That's kind of cool. I enjoy stuff like that." And I said, "Sure." So I did that, and that's kind of where my consulting uh, and coaching practice began. Because I, you know, I had a line afterwards of people saying can you help me? And I, you know, and while I still had this great job that I enjoyed, I did take a couple of, you know, small, you know, part-time consulting projects that just, because I, you know, my parents were both big gardeners too. And, you know, I love landscaping, you know, I never realized what a an incredible, uh, an incredible business and industry, the landscaping business is. And, you know, most people think about it. It's an industry where you just cut grass. Well, No, it's a big, huge science and without it, right, we wouldn't, you know, our planet wouldn't be, you know, where it is today. So I got involved and then the the rest was history.
6: You know, I think I read about your mom, your dad was an aerospace engineer. Is
8: that correct? He worked in, uh, he was, uh, he didn't actually, he never finished his, his, uh, his degree in school, but he was involved in the um, quality control side. Yes. For um, a company that built both um, uh, nose cones to rockets and then later uh, tanks. So, but yeah, he was, okay. yeah, he they worked. But your the-
6: mom was, yeah, your mom was the gardener, you know, without without a degree, but just it
8: came natural to her. My mom was a master gardener and my dad tried to think he was, but he, he kind of followed her, but my mom just, she's one of those, she loves plants and she has that proverbial and, you know, green thumb. And, I, and I'll tell you, I've worked with some of the most incredible horticulturalists, but my mom just... Yeah, that was just a, a real, it goes to show you right when you really have, you know, the people I think are the best at anything or people who are really passionate about it, you know, yes. and, and my, and my mother who is, you know, 96 years old and blind today and still like runs circles around me. Um, She just, you know, that was just that was one of her passions among many things. So,
6: yeah. So listen, tell one of your greatest accomplishments was an IPO you were involved in with Landcare USA. Mm -hmm. Um, tell, uh, Tell the
0: listeners
8: what what took place. Yeah, that was really interesting. That was, back, and it was at a really interesting time. It was June of 1998, and that was, if you remember, back in those times too. That was, that's when everything, all the, you know, the high tech companies and startups. I mean, it was just, you know, it was a boom. Um, and you know, all these companies, you know, had been going, uh, going public and then all of a sudden, you know, some of them probably shouldn't have been right. Um, then that's, you know, where we had the bust, the bubble bust. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I was called on because I had out of the founding companies, the seven founding companies I had consulted for like five of them. And so when they were looking for a chief marketing officer. Um, they they were creating this brand new company, um, that was called Landcare USA. And we had acquired seven companies as our, as our footprint. And when they were looking for a CMO, the owners of those companies that I consulted with said, Hey, we have the gal we think would make a great CMO. You know, she knows our space. She knows us. She's well-respected. And so I was asked to, to play that role. And we did go public, um, in March of, uh, uh, I'm sorry, June of 1998. Um, and it was right before literally the, you know, the IPO market just closed down. As a matter of fact, I think that there was something like 11 IPOs that were supposed to go out within uh, two weeks of ours. And I think only three of us went out, um, you know, finally did go public and we did so successfully and, and oversubscribed. And, you know, I just worked with an incredible group of, um, people and executives and our whole team to, you know, do what was really the most challenging thing I had ever done. And, you know, number one, I was the only woman on the team. Number two, I was, you know, I was the youngest. And I remember just being in this you know stretch limo in on wall street you know with our with our laptops going to you know going to you know the road show do your wall street road show road show and present in front of these companies who have some of the brightest financial minds and you know in my role as c you know cmo each time we spoke the, you know they're looking for the weakest length right and so the marketing you know the business model is really important and that's what i had to talk about and present and i remember at one point thinking what the heck am I doing in this limo with these people who are all smarter and more experienced than me? Oh I mean, my gosh! Yeah, and uh, you know. Well, I was
6: just going to ask you. Yeah, that you know, you it's a big um, factor that you were one of very few women in the field, and and I wonder if, you know, that was intimidating, you know, or or did you have the confidence? Was it kind of more of a challenge that you wanted to take on, um, as being one of few
8: women in that field? yes yes and yes (laughs) okay yeah all of it yes i like i said i i was thinking what am i doing here but then at the same time right the brahma bull like i can do this i can like there was that confidence like hey i you know we've worked so hard on this for the last you know year and a half like i'm you know and i'm i prepared to the nth degree i'm like I'm prepared. Right. So, you know, there was that side of me. Then the other side of me is like, you know, I would say my father was the very first feminist I ever met in my life because, you know, there's four girls in our family and and one boy. And you know, my father taught us that, you know, you girls can do anything a guy can do. You know, you just got to prove it to him. So, Mm. um, you know, so, you know, so I, I've always had that side and I was like, I was really proud to be the only woman there. So,
6: yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, and you know what a great example for for women today and do you do you happen to know any of the statistics about the field today and how many women are going into uh, you know, landscaping and green space. Yeah.
8: And and the green industry is big. It's not just landscaping. It's hardscape. Right. It's irrigation. It's lighting. It's almost anything outdoors today. It sometimes gets, you know, both commercially and residentially from the, you know, the furniture to, you know, everything to make that site look wonderful is in the green. Um, but it's about there. It's about 14% and I do, you know, uh, about 65% of my business is still in the green space. Um, the green industry, the other, you know, um, the balance of it is in all different, you know, all different, uh, industries and I work technology, I know technology, magnetics, uh, uh, healthcare, you know, healthcare, um, and it's, Uh, you know, it's one of those things I spend a lot of time really working with women, uh, mentoring women, um, advocating for, for women. And, and I actually, and I even do, I mean, I, I think I've mentored, you know, close to 200 people in my entire career in one shape or, or form, um, in groups of people, but, you know, and, and a lot of guys too, but I, you know, I obviously, I. Um, spend a lot of tr- lot of time with women in um, that space, and then in other spaces as well. But right right now, the green industry is somewhere between twelve and fourteen percent, and we're really working diligently on that because when we do our research in that space, in terms of you know their their you know their salesmanship and their retention and their um, you know their their customer sat scores. I mean, women really you know really they're they're off the chart with their, with their rating, because they just, you know, they, uh, they ask a lot more questions or a lot more detail and oriented in certain regards. So, um, mm-hmm. and there's, you know, there's a fair amount of women owners now too, probably about 6%, but we'd like to see it a, a lot more to get a lot more of these talented women from the, from the technology side of our business to the financial side of it, obviously to the, to, you know, to the field side, the, the architectural and the construction management and engineering, because it's, the, the, the thing that's probably most unknown about our industry is that people think of it as, oh, you guys cut grass and it's like, if it was a pie chart, that would be a skinny sliver of it. But, um, you know, it's only be a piece of the pie, but I would say it's a very, very steam related industry. There's obviously, right. You can imagine that the science, the technology, the engineering, the art, the design and the math that's in, involved in the green industry. So
6: much creativity, right? Oh I mean, goodness. it's yes. it's one of the things we talk about when we're talking about young girls and why, you know, we need them and want them to go into technology and engineering and um computers that they don't really understand how much creativity is involved in that or how much they could use it in in a in a
8: job absolutely and as i said and i said you know today almost any any industry really is a steam industry because you really have to you know there's some element again of all of those things that are that are attached to most industries but uh, absolutely in the green industry
6: Yeah. Um, Listen, we're going to go into our next break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to get right into um, what I think is probably the most impactful part of your life story, um, what happened back in 2017. Stay with us. I'm talking to Judy Guido, chairwoman and founder of Guido and Associates. And uh, stay tuned for our watch team. We'll be right back.
1: Now the Women to Watch. Finance Watch.
9: Hi, this is Terry, and I'm from Fortis Family Office. The global pandemic in 2020 provided us with lessons about our money and investments. The first one to consider is that it can sometimes be very difficult to figure out all the risks to guard against. In January and February, we may have been thinking about high stock valuations, low bond yields, maybe election-related volatility. No one was talking about a pandemic. One message may be to understand that periodically we see big market downturns no matter what the risk factors and that you need to have the ability and the discipline to stay invested through those periods of market weakness. The brief bear market that occurred over the next few months reminded investors about the importance of staying the course. If you'd sold everything during those darkest days in March, you would have locked in losses that you didn't have to. We know from market history that such downdrafts usually last longer than this one. Be prepared to sit tight through the longer market downturns. Another lesson from that down market period could be that there's no substitute for cash. During the February-March period, we saw almost everything fall. Even high-quality bonds seemed to decline in lockstep with stocks. One reason may have been that investors were liquidating bonds in search of cash. Owning bonds to get a slightly higher yield is not a good idea if you need liquidity. Stocks have come back tremendously since the bear market, but the economy still isn't doing that well. What's the takeaway from that? The market is usually looking ahead. Investors are looking into the future, to better days when the pandemic is at bay and where business is somewhat back to normal. That's a typical pattern where the equity market recovers before the actual economy does. It may be a good reminder that if you wait to see clear signs that the economy is recovering, oftentimes you'll be too late to participate in the upside. Many people endured job and income losses in 2020 due to the pandemic. The biggest takeaway there is the importance of having an emergency fund. Many people struggle with this. Research shows that even high-income earners don't have three months' worth of living expenses in reserve. This year has been a good reminder to always have a cushion. This is Terry. Happy New Year.
3: If you believe that family, charity, or money is deeply important for the greater good, Fortis Wealth invites you to a highly personalized financial discovery process to help you visualize your financial legacy. It's not for everyone, but if you're willing to invest the time and thought, they can offer advice and strategies to help you accomplish your dreams. Fortis Advisors is a wholly owned subsidiary of Fortis Wealth, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Visit Fortis-Wealth.com today, because tomorrow is waiting.
1: Now, the Women to Watch, Nonprofit Watch.
4: Good evening, Women to Watch listeners. I'm Dr. Nakia Owens, Managing Director of Financial Empowerment at the United Way of Greater Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey. As many of you are well aware, the unexpected can happen to any of us. And we know this more closely due to the COVID pandemic and how over 150 million Americans were faced with filing for unemployment, and now over 8 million are faced with living in poverty. A disruption in income has the propensity to cause the greatest impact and disruption in a person's life, especially when caring for children. As a result of generous donors, United Way invests in a family empowerment initiative designed to support families throughout the Philadelphia region who find themselves at risk of becoming homeless or might be homeless already. This initiative supports the whole family so parents are able to find or acquire greater employment and the children can remain in the same school in supporting their academic success. This initiative is not based solely on income, but looks at the entire family situation and what is needed to support the family in maintaining housing stability. There are case managers willing and ready to support the family with their goals, but not dictate those goals. If you know a family in the Philadelphia area who has been adversely impacted or is at risk of homelessness due to a job loss, please have them reach out to United Ways helpline by calling 211, or they can reach out to United Ways partner directly, Yousef, at www.uesfacts.org. And until next time, I'm Dr. Owens, your nonprofit watch.
1: Now, more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT.
6: Hi, Sue Rocco here with an update from one of our past guests. I'm with attorney Delphine O'Rourke, who was with us back in January of 2019, and certainly much has changed since then. Tell us what you've been up to, Delphine.
12: So thank you for having me back and happy new year. I've been spending a significant amount of time on women's health and helping entrepreneurs and investors who are investing in women's health access the legal advice that they need to succeed and to bring truly innovative solutions to improve women's lives. Um, And I could only be solving for these disruptive solutions, working with a team that's dedicated to health equity and that's really market leading in the key legal areas. So earlier this year, I joined Goodwin's amazing team of globally recognized lawyers. Uh, I had admired Goodwin's healthcare, life sciences and private equity lawyers. So it's been really exciting to be able to offer clients what they told us they needed, which was a, a one-stop legal shop uh, for the women's health and wellness industry. So it's what I call our, our hashtag femlaw practice which is an expanding category of law that serves the, you know, the vast opportunities that exist for female health. So, you know, what are these opportunities? And I've been spending a lot of time around educating, you know, what, what, um, what does the market look like? What are women's needs? You know, the women's health industry has been historically ignored. It's been misunderstood and, and underfunded. Uh, it wasn't until 1995 that a law was passed that women needed to be put in clinical trials. I mean women were receiving drugs that had never been tested on women which is just sort of mind blowing and we're still ranked 55th you know best case scenario worldwide in maternal deaths even though we're spending more than any other country on hospital based maternity care I mean that's got to change uh, menopause is another example. It's still a taboo, even though an average of 27 million women in the U.S., 27 million between the ages of 45 and 64, just 20% of the American workforce work experience menopause each year, yet we don't talk about it, there's not enough information. Um, you know, and these are health situations, whether it's higher rates of heart attack or anxiety that affect all of us and they affect our, our economy. So we need change and it's happening. Now, obviously, I'd like to see the change happen at warp speed, but there is progress because 175 million women in the US and they want better care. They make 80 percent of consumer decisions. They want products and services that meet their needs. So there's this massive accelerated demand for innovation. We expect the market to reach you know, 44 billion in the next five years. So I've really been fortunate to partner with these amazing companies that have developed innovative solutions to improve women's lives a lot in the digital health space. Um, And then also with the investors that are funding these remarkable companies because they see the potential. They see that there's an opportunity to have a real impact on women's health now and in the future. So there's a lot to consider as as entrepreneurs and investors are navigating. And I'm really fortunate to be part of an amazing team of lawyers at Goodwin We're making change happen with our FemLong practice. So that's what I've been up to since.
6: It sounds great. Delphine, you're doing really important work. And um, I thank you so much for checking in. And I wish you a wonderful new year and continued success. Please
12: stay in touch with us. we Will do. And all the best for 2021. Thanks so much.
3: This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. We've never experienced a year like 2020. A deadly pandemic, political division, social unrest, natural disasters. Yet, we're still here, and now so are the holidays.
4: Hi, I'm John Doherty. May this holiday season bring you joy and peace. May 2021 be a better year for all of us. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy and Healthy New Year.
3: Happy Holidays from IBEW Local 98.
1: This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise
5: and fulfill every last one of your dreams.
1: Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world.
5: It is for those
6: frightened children who want peace, it is for those voiceless children. want change
1: be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams true
7: philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given
1: now here's the owner founder and host of women to watch sue rocco
6: Hi, good evening. Sue Rocco here with Judy Guido this evening, chairwoman and founder of Guido and Associates, um, if you missed the first hour. And um, I, you know, I'm so um, I have such admiration for Judy and and you'll know why when when I go into this next part of her story, something very tragic happened to Judy on July 5th of 2017. And she has turned that um, experience uh, completely around to make it more meaningful uh, and also to help other people. So Judy, you were, as I mentioned, on July 5th, 2017, just randomly attacked by a landscaper who was working um, at your property in Moore Park, California. Can you
8: describe briefly for our listeners what happened? Uh, I can, it was, as you said, it was, you know, July 5th. So it was a day after the 4th of July, which, you know, as you know, many people take as a vacation, you know, a vacation week. And it was an absolutely mm-hmm. gorgeous, sunny day, beautiful Southern California day. And I was at our kitchen Island and I was at the computer and having a cup of coffee and working on some things and, you know, watching, you know, the guys were, were doing some, you know, renovation work, you know, on, on our property. And next thing I heard, what to me appeared, you know, like like a bomb, like a blast. And my first instinct was, because they were using, you know, axes on things, was that they had hit a gas line in our backyard. And I thought that's what happened. And I, you know, it obviously really startled me and looked out the back window and I see one of the landscapers literally kind of like scaling the fence and almost flying over the fence and I was like, Oh my God! Right, you know, like oh my God! Like our, you know, our, our house is about to blow. And the next thing I see, one of the other, you know, I one of the other landscapers, and he starts approaching our house, and he takes an axe and he starts smashing the windows out. Right, and I'm kind of just stunned and i'm thinking you know he's smart enough thinking maybe i you know i should break the window so you know the gas doesn't cause the you know the windows to to explode i i don't know what happened and then all of a sudden next thing i know he's you know as he's smashing a mortar i I don't know why something just clicked like this isn't right and he's in my house now He, he walks into our house with axe in hand And, you know, I looked at him and I I said, what the heck is going on? Right. And he just looks at me with this look I'll never forget. And he says, I try to kill my coworker because he's the devil. And I knew in a moment that I was either going to live or die that day. And what I said, or I did whatever I said in that next second or minute would be my decision. I'm, I'll see another day or I won't. And I realized in a nanosecond, mm. and as a coach, right, I work a lot. One of my specialties is strategy, right? And then executing. Um, and they'll they'll often tell you, you know, you can't create strategy and execute on the at the same time. And I knew I had to do both. And so in a nanosecond, I'm like, I need a strategy now. And I realized that I couldn't get out to the front door to unlock the door because I knew he was going to try to kill me and my family would come home and find me dead in our home. And the only way if I was to survive was to somehow convince him to get out of our home get around the side of our path and get out to the front so somebody can hear me scream for my life. Um, And that's what I did. And it was interesting because we had just gotten some new kitchen knives and stuff before that. And there was a, you know, there was a set of this, you know, these brand new, beautiful kind of kitchen knives that were probably about 10 feet away from us. And I, you know, one of the first things I did was, I can't let this guy see these knives cause you know, maybe he'll drop this axe and use those on me instead. And I literally positioned my body. So his back went to the, went to the knives and he was looking at me and I just started, you know, I just started making it all about him, you know, kind of like in business, right? You know, it's all about your customer, understand their needs. And I just, I, you know, he had. You know he had had some blood and you know glass on him from where he had smashed the windows out. And I just said to him, like in a very calm tone, um, you know I said, you're hurt, you know, you need help. And I, and I just was walking very slowly, not with my hands out, but just, you know, like motioning my hands, like, I, like I'm a helper, almost like healing hands is the only way I can describe it. And I said, you need help. Let me help you. You need to get to a doctor. And he had, you know, he was holding the ax and he just started walking back. I, you know, I was walking him back and I just kind of kept that cadence. And I'm like, how can I help you? And he started talking to me and he's like, my coworker, he's a devil. He was going to hurt me. And I said, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I'm like, did he hurt you? Are you okay? And just, I held this like very calm conversation. Let's get you to a doctor. I'm so sorry. He did that. I'm here to help you. And so I, you know, he went out the backyard, this whole thing was going on. I'm getting him on, you know, to the, our side path. And I'm thinking to myself at the same time, talking to him, looking, giving him eye contact, I thought was really important. So he could see I was on his side. And at the same time, like talking to God, saying, Thank you, God, like, like, stay, stay with me, like, I need you more. Wow. I I need you more than ever. Yeah. And I got him to the path. And and we had a a, a family dog. We've always had a dog. And as I say, animals are very instinctive. And, you know, my dog, he was just a little, you know, under 10 pound dog, um, little scruffy guy, you know, realized that I was in danger and he barked. And the next thing I know, he kind of contorted his face and he looked at the dog. He said, he's a devil and I have to kill him too. And he took the ax and, and I, I mean, again, maybe this goes back to my Brahma bull experience. I mean, I literally reached down to try to grab my dog to save him, and I mean he oh and the my axe gosh. just missed my arm i mean by probably less than like a half an inch, and you know that would have taken my arm off and I just you know <sighs> I, you know i couldn't i couldn 't get my dog I just had to you know at that point I had to pull my hands back, and you know I knew with the first hit my go- my dog was gone, and he kind of spent oh a minute or gosh. so focusing on the dog and talking about the dog being a devil. And then, and I just screamed. I'm like, you know, I just screamed to him, "What, what are you doing?" And you know, as loud as I could. And I just turned around, and our path—they were putting some, you know, they were putting some sod and stuff in between the stones on our pathway. So it was really bumpy, and I had bare feet, and I just. Started to scream as loud as I could at the top of my lungs, like "Somebody called the cop, He's trying to kill me!" I just kept repeating, "Somebody call the cops! He's trying to kill me." That just just those two lines, just over and over and over again. Were you running I at was this point, running Judy? Down the path, and and next okay. thing I know, he he caught up to me, and he um he slipped he slipped my throat and. I just remember trying to use, you know, I'm not a big person. I'm about 5'5", five, five, you know, weigh probably less than 120 pounds. And, you know, I just kind of had, you know, got my Wonder Woman on and just, you know, punched as much as I could to, de- you know, to defend myself and somehow must have done something because um, I ended up, you know, I ended up getting out of our, uh, you know, out of our trail. And I thought I ended up being on our front lawn, but... I must have gotten as far as the the street. And the last thing I remember him saying is, you know, I, you know, you're, you know, you know, I have to kill you too. And I just, you know, just remember just punching as hard as I could and protecting my head. And then the next thing I remember was, you know, waking up in the, the ICU and, you know, with family and. Doctors wow. and you know saying you know yeah. do you know who you are where you are do you know what you know after you're undergoing brain surgery and he ended up you know slitting my throat and putting three holes in my head and uh, wow. piercing my brain and um, you know and and that was it and and you survived and, and wow I, and you survived. survived and I and I thrived and I just you know it was uh, you know. Was not fun. (laughs) It was not fun time in the hospital, but I had extraordinary surgeons and you know doctors and nurses and um, dear friends and uh, family, and you know, and that's what got me through. And you know, as soon as I could kind of think clearly, you know, because you're obviously put on a lot of heavy medication, and I am, I am not a, a meds person at all. I'm a pretty you know kind of crunchy granola healthy type of individual but um, you know as soon as I got a little bit more clear-headed I just remember thinking like this guy it, you know and that day my whole thing was like I am not ready to die and I'm you know if I can control this and have anything to do with it I am not going to die right I have my family you know my family my friends that I love my work that I love like I'm not ready to go and you know damn it I'm not going today going today if I can. uh handle it and i you know part of it was probably my resilience and persistence and you know the other part was luck because apparently he had confessed to the you know the, the the detectives that and he went back in our by the way he went back into our house and tried to burn our house down after he did that and uh um you know he confessed to the uh to the detectives that he thought he had killed me, so that was the only reason he left because he thought he had killed me and he left me. And wow. my my neighbors found me, and thank God they did because otherwise I you know I wouldn't be here. So, yeah, it's an incredible story on so many levels. Um,
6: and and the first thing that comes to my mind is it, uh, I think for anyone who would go through something like that, their first question would be why. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you, I, I I have a quote here where you've said, I am turning a nightmare into a celebration of life and will make my front yard the most healing, therapeutic, healthy living garden you've ever seen. Um have you done that, number one, and and have have you come to any piece of of why
8: you think this happened to you? Uh, yes, on um, the the guard, and as you can imagine, sixty. Think about it, sixty five percent of your, you know, my my clients, right, are in the green industry, and thinking about like. I had a choice, like, oh my god, am I going to be terrified every time? You know, I I see these people, you know, with axes, and you know, and I flip out. Yes. So And and by the Wait. way, when we were doing that healing garden one of the things and i think i told you this before when we were talking at one point um one of my secret loves and if i had to live my life over again i might have seriously done this was i wanted to be either a stand-up comic or a comedy writer i love comedy comedy is kind of a, a, a great tool that i use and um and we'll probably get to that in a minute but I remember at one point when I had these people come, had new people come back to, to work on a healing garden, um, in my yard. And actually a lot of them were people in our industry that donated it because they're like, Judy, you've done so much for our industry and we want to give back to you. One of my first, um, my first, uh, first, uh, things that happened was I remember opening the door when these guys were working on it and there were literally, it was almost like, like a, a ceremonial. Passage, but I opened our, our, our double front doors and there were like two axes on one side and two axes on the other side. And I, I was going out to try to give see the, if the guys needed something to drink. And I was like, I just started laughing because I'm like, what are the, what are the chances? <laughs> like, that was the first time. And like, I went to see what the work was. I was like, you know, like, God, are you like this? You know, are you just messing with me kind of thing? And I just started laughing. And I was just like, you know, couldn't be crazier than that. But uh, yes, I did that. Yeah. And Honestly, I spent very little time on why me because, and I and I hate to say this because now I'm you know I, I I so feel feel for people with mental illness, but you know I knew I could never figure out what was in that individual's mind like. I don't think anybody can, right? I just think it's, it's, you know, somebody's psychotic, they're psychotic and you don't understand. That's right. I, you know, I'm certainly not a trained, you know, psychiatrist or psychologist. So I thought my time was much better off spent using my energies to forget about, you know, forget about surviving. I was going to thrive. I was going to be better than I was before this incident happened. That's where I spent my time and energy. Wow. And you've yeah, done I that. And,
6: um, and you've done that. We're going to talk about that in, in this last segment. I'm speaking to Judy Guido, the chairwoman and founder of Guido & Associates, um, sharing just a remarkable story of, of overcoming. And um, stay with us for our watch team. And we'll be right back with Judy.
1: Now, the women to Watch. Marketing Watch.
5: Education is big business. In the U.S., the average cost of a four-year degree is just shy of $100,000. For the prestigious Ivy League universities, that number nearly doubles. And despite the COVID-19 pandemic moving classes online, most have chosen to maintain sky-high tuition, leading some to lament that the pandemic has turned storied ivory towers into just another online experience. Hi, I'm Lynn Falconio, and today on Marketing Watch, we're exploring how COVID-19 has impacted academia and the future of learning and education. Historically, the premium price tag of private universities has come with a level of cachet, providing a competitive advantage unmatched by online counterparts. Yet, as most institutes now implement remote curriculums, many are reevaluating the return on investment of a traditional residential experience. While the four-year undergraduate model will remain an important rite of passage and won't disappear overnight, emerging hybrid and online education models are on the rise. And these new ways of learning can provide students the freedom to live independently, explore new passions, and design their education on their terms. In the last 10 years, the marketing world has experienced similar trends in digital acceleration. And as I've guided clients through these transformations, i found an essential key to success is balancing high tech with high touch. In education, this means providing students access to innovative online learning platforms and managing the critical social relationships between teachers, students, and their peers. Community and connection in education is crucial, and research shows that of all factors that determine student outcomes, engagement is at the top of the list. The pandemic has accelerated the digital transformation of nearly every industry, and education is no exception. Now, as we explore new ways of living, working, and learning, we must ensure we balance technology with human connection as we look toward building a stronger future. For Women to Watch Marketing Watch, I'm Lynn Falconio.
1: Now, the Women to Watch
13: Health Watch. Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Happy New Year! Since the ancient times of the Babylonians and the Romans, the start of a new year is the chance to reflect on the past, pay debts, ask and receive forgiveness, and focus on self improvement. A study from the Journal of Clinical Psychology reports that if you make a New Year's resolution, you're 10 times more likely to succeed than if you make the same commitment at another time of year. Whether it's weight loss, more exercise, quitting smoking, sticking to a budget. If you want to succeed, set goals that are realistic and measurable. Don't say, I want to lose weight. Aim to lose a pound a week. Or walk three to five times a week and commit to going with a friend. Recently on Your Radio Doctor, Registered Dietitian Emily Rubin made these suggestions for better eating habits. Make weight loss a lifestyle change. 500 fewer calories a day, a pound a week. Stop at two pounds a week. Losing too much too fast leads to slower metabolism and you regain the weight you worked hard to lose. Avoid fad diets. Weight Watchers is reputable. Or visit a dietitian. Insurance covers six weeks of visits for healthy eating. Keep a diary. Keep track of what you eat. You'll lose twice as much as those who don't. Get motivated. Keep your eye on a pair of jeans or a dress that's too tight. Avoid hunger. You'll eat less later in the day. Eat breakfast, high fiber and protein, like fiber cereal and skin milk, hard-boiled egg, or non-fat yogurt. Pack your lunch. For dinner, pick five quick healthy recipes, put them on the fridge, cook for the week on weekends, make low-fat changes like skin milk, low-fat cream cheese and salad dressing, six to eight glasses of water a day, and listen to James Brown get up off of that thing, even walking or biking for two to four hours a week, three to five pounds more off a year. Hear the entire show on YourRadioDoctor.net. Divas, wishing you a
7: happy, healthy new year. Cheers. Hi, I'm Joe Krause. May you enjoy the spirit of this holiday season and may 2021 bring you a year of hope and peace.
3: I wish you a Merry Christmas and a happy and healthy new year. Happy Holidays from Jacob Media Partners.
1: You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome
6: back. I'm speaking with Judy Guido, just uh, to me, a remarkably brave woman. And Judy, one of the things you talk about a lot, or you use the word, I should say, is the word hope. And I want to ask you, what is your definition of
8: hope? Oh, boy, that's hard. Um I think hope is the ability. Kind of goes back to what we talked about before, to not saying boundaries, just to say. Right, it's really kind of like like to me, hope is really the art of possibility, right? I, and I honestly believe, like, if you think it, for the most cases. There's probably a way you can do it. Like you just like you you have to ask the right questions, right? And I think if you want to ask the right questions and back into it, that honestly anything is possible. Because, you know, one of the things that happened with, you know, with with my, you know, um, I was trying I always try to figure out what do I call this? I used to call it an accident. I was like, it wasn't an accident. It was very intentional, right? No. The my event, yes, right event, my, you know, my milestone moment, whatever you want to call it. Um, but, you know, like, people would always be like, Oh, my God, you're so brave, and this and that. And I was like, you know, I go, I'm not like, I'm not different than anybody else. I mean, that's the whole thing. Like I, you know, I wasn't born with a, you know, a superwoman Jane or anything. I'm like, I'm extraordinary, you know, extraordinarily ordinary. Um, and I, and well, the bravery I think is not from the moment,
6: the bravery, you know, what you did was probably instinctive to you, but I think the bravery is what you're doing emotionally after.
8: Yeah, I, I,
6: I right? Because really, you could you could crawl up into a ball and and really just live a life of, uh, I don't know, fear and uh, just kind of giving up. And so, to me, that's how
8: where I think the bravery comes in. Oh yeah, I, I mean that is so you know the, you know, so anti Judy Guido. I am one of the like when people kind of feel sorry for themselves, et cetera. that that's probably where I kind of, you know, have a hard time with dealing with that kind of mentality because it's just so, it's yes. so foreign to me. And to me, it's like, you yeah. know, like I mean, most of the time, like I say, like I'm like I have a choice. Like I have a choice in this. Like, yeah, I could say this really stinks and whiny, but I'm like, like for me, I'm like that's not really fun. <laughs> you know what I mean, it's like I like to have fun, <laughs> and I really, I really enjoy life. I enjoy people. I'm like I. This, this way is a lot more fun, like just be really positive, do great things, spend your time with wonderful people like that's the path I've always chosen. And that's, you know, and, and I do have a choice. I mean, I do have a choice. that. yes, and and some people prefer to take, you know, to take the other path. It's just not me at all.
6: Yeah. Well, and I think that's, you know, recognizing that we have choice and it really is what runs every aspect of our life. And I'm sure that it's something you use in your work all the time with with uh, the companies that you advise and consult. And um, But Judy, I want to uh, talk about the book that you've decided to write and, and why you decided to write it. Tell our listeners about that. Yes.
8: I, I actually really decided to, to write the book, for a couple of reasons, not to tell another, you know, somebody's survives a tragedy story, but really about the, that again, I always call myself an extraordinary, ordinary person. I mean, I, I am ordinary and I didn't do anything that was extraordinary that day, but it really played to what I do best in in, in work. And that's right. Developing a strategy and executing on it. And again, and, and, you know, I always say, if I can do it, Anybody can do it, and that's what saved my life that day. I had both built a strategy and I executed at it, and I just and I kept all the noise out and I and I focused on it, and that's really what I wanted the to be about. That again, whether it's whether it's in your professional life, in developing a strategy and executing, or building a career, or something personally. If you utilize these, you know, basic tools of, you know, a strategy and an execution, right? And then, of course, in in business, there's having a great team and, you know, the cash around it. Like anybody can not only survive, but they can thrive. Or as we say in our, you know, with, with my clients, we can really, really scale up. And so that's what I thought would be, you know, I'll teach these people how this really works. And not only does it work in in business, but it even works like, you know, when things get really bad and, you know, and let's face it right in business every day, whether it's a little bit bad or really bad, and you know, and COVID was, you know, one of those really, you know, significant traumatic events for everybody, you know, for most businesses. Um, but, you know, how do you deal when, you know you know, negative and difficult things happen and challenges happen. And so, again, and it really applied to both, to, you know, to to business, but also people's personal challenges. And so that's why I thought I would write the book. And when I was laying um, in bed, it, you know, when I was recuperating, one of the, you know, because when you when your brain gets, you know, punctured you know your 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 whole your senses are like they're overstimulated. so light and sound and everything you know it's it's overwhelming and so you know i kind of had to like stay in a you know a room that was relatively dark and stuff so i just didn't have headaches and all of a sudden i remember one day you know and i couldn't laugh because laughing hurt you know that was kind of overstimulated me And one day I just started, I was in bed and I just started laughing. And I, and you know, my family was there and my sister had flown in. She was like one of my nurses. And I think they thought maybe I was like having a seizure or something. I don't know what, but I was actually laughing inside. And the thing I was laughing at was everybody. And to this day, everybody, the number one question I'm asked as being a consultant or, or a coach or an executive role is Judy, can I pick your brain? So right. I said to myself, <laughs> How ironic is that statement today, Judy? Right. And I was thinking about right. the book and I was like, Well, there you go. The title just wrote itself. And because now people, even when they say it up, will be like, Judy, can I pick your brain? And then, you know, they'll do the, oh, they I'm realize still, what like, they said. Oh. And I always laugh. And so I always go, literally, you know, literally, you know, or figuratively, yeah. <laughs> because binge I <laughs> oh don't want to go back one. So anyway, oh you know, I'm still in the process of writing that, but people said, what a great title. Had you, how did you write the title? I go, the title kind of wrote itself. So, um, but it does play to my, my kind of odd sense of humor, if you will
6: well i'm looking for i really am looking forward to um to reading it (laughs) when when it does come out do do you think it'll be in
8: 2021 i'm hoping that it's going to be finished by q3 of uh, 2021 yes that's the goal okay and and it was supposed to be it was supposed to be out last year but with with covid um you know my business you know some people uh, obviously you know there's still a lot of people who are you know their business dried up mine just i mean I I was, it was the busiest year I've ever, ever had. And so helping my clients navigate through that um, and taking out some new clients to really navigate again, that business trauma and emotional trauma uh, was more important than the book. And so I, I, you know, I put that uh, on hold till this year. Okay. listen, can you I I do want to talk about your work and and
6: what you do and and really what you are excited about for for 2021. And um, you're truly you know, you're a thought leader in the technology and green space, helping small and large companies with strategy, sales growth, branding, sustainability. What are you excited about for this next year that you're going to be working on? Perhaps a new company or a new tool or, you know, just something in the uh, sustainability arena
8: have got a couple of uh, interesting new partnerships that are going to be coming out and um, I, well, hopefully we'll have another talk and I, uh, I'll be able to g- give you some names because we're in the process of just fine tuning, but some new um, virtual learning um, uh, that that's going to be coming out this year. And I'm working with a big association on that. I'm very, very, actually two associations. So I'm very excited about that. One of, my, uh, one of my clients is literally moving from California to the state of Texas, and we're actually having a, a groundbreaking ceremony in uh, Jan- uh, January, and that company is growing by leaps and bounds, and we're going to hopefully in a, in a 12-month period double the size of the, uh, the individual. So that's uh, another very exciting project I'm working on. Getting back to the book is another exciting um, a project and, um, I've got, uh, I'll, I'll be doing another acquisition with, a um, uh, another acquisition with a client. So I've got, I'm very fortunate. I get to, uh, For, you know, for kind of every seven no's I I, I say, I, you know, I'll say one yes. So I get to pick just the really, you know, extraordinary people and interesting people and projects. And, you know, my, my vision is very simple. I help grow people, profits and their valuation. And, um, you know, I just work with a, with a wonderful group of people and I'm, I, I feel blessed and very, very excited about 2021. It's already on, you know, on path to be my most successful year. Oh, that's awesome.
6: Do you do you see yourself retiring at any point? Do
8: you think about that? I do. Um, you know, depending on what's going on that day, sometimes more than others. <laughs> You know, I've got, once I, a week uh, maybe yeah, yeah. I'll, 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 so i i've got really great working relationships and i'm like you know I'm, you know if we're you know we're having a, a challenge a month, i'll go maybe i'll retire earlier right that's one of my lines yes like, don't, don't right. you dare so the answer is yes probably in the next two years i will i will but not full-time i i i think probably till the t- the day i die honestly i'm gonna be kind of at t- you know handling small Projects. I'm going to be working on an interesting podcast. I, I I love doing those kind of things. I love learning. I do a lot of keynote speaking. Um, so I, to me, that's I'm a I'm a continuous learner. I mean, I always have two yeah. to three books I'm learning. I'm always finding people who are you know smarter than me and thought leaders to to pick pick their brain. Um, and so I'll always be you know having some project because that's just that's what really jingles my bells and motivates me. Um, but probably yeah. in the next two years, not. You know, not work at the at the speed and velocity that I am right now.
6: That's great. Well, listen, that's ideal when you're when you're in a position to be able to choose the projects that you know you're passionate about. That's really um, that's the dream. So, I am so appreciative, Judy, if you're coming on and sharing your story. It's really inspirational, and I wish you continued success.
8: Susan, thank you very much, and again, thanks to our buddy Susan Packard for connecting us together. Y- yes,
6: happy that is. Oh, happy new, happy year. new happy year. Happy new year happy to and you. Happy
8: healthy new year to everybody.
6: That is it everyone for another week of women to watch. Thank you so much to our watch team and sponsors and stay tuned for my interview next week with myosha Boykin Anderson. Myosha, uh, myosha is the president of Entech solutions. Happy new year, everyone.
1: Now the women to watch
7: tech watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manzo from Pathways Consulting Group. In 2020, we experienced so much change. In some cases, we've been fast-forwarded into the future way that work gets done and where it's done from. As example, it's now becoming the new norm for companies to allow you and even mandate you to work from home. When interviewing for a job, you may be asked if you're equipped to work from home, or you may be applying for a 100% work-from-home job for the first time. Companies are fast pacing automation so that work can get to people faster and more efficiently. Things are changing and changing fast. We see it with our clients every day. With this change is an incredible opportunity in the new year, especially for women who want to break into the technology industry and have or want the ability to work from home. Maybe you need some education. Online education has only grown, so many schools have increased their virtual classrooms and include more courses and virtual classroom offerings. To me, the new norm is presenting massive opportunities to help women re-educate themselves and put them in more technology roles. In previous segments, I've discussed the types of technology roles that are out there. Developers, solution architects, business analysts, quality testers, project managers. These are just a few that we hire for at Pathways. If you're looking for a career change in technology and want to explore training, there's an incredible website called udemy.com. At this website, you can research all types of training and research all types of technology roles. The job market in technology is shifting and the time is right for more companies to incorporate more diversity into their groups to create a higher collective intelligence. Studies have shown that companies with higher collective intelligence enjoy better returns and are more likely to outperform companies that don't. If a career in technology is of interest to you and you want to learn more, feel free to reach out to me at Mary at pathwayscg.com.
1: Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com.
6: Hi, Sue Rocco here, host of Women To Watch. Are you a fan of the show? If so, be sure to sign up for our podcast at womentowatch.net, so you never miss a show and can listen on your own time. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T.
1: Now, Women on the Fly.
6: Hi, Sue Rocco here with our Women on the Fly segment with Judy
8: Guido. Judy, how do you start your day? Doing research. Actually, the very, first, what? the very first thing I do is to look out the mountains. We've got to, you know, since I'm working out of my, my home office because, you know, COVID is is still here, I just kind of spend maybe the first five or ten minutes just kind of like my, my own meditative moment. And then I go right into yes. uh, doing research. Nice.
6: What is your mantra for stressful moments?
8: Oh, my God. What is my mantra for my stressful moment? Keep the noise out. Keep the noise okay. out. Okay. Are you a planner or more spontaneous? I am a fun anal retentive. I (laughs) I plan, I like to check off my boxes and I like to have fun at the same time. Yes, I am a planner. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite uh, 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 um, paintings or pictures I have in my office is plan ahead and it's kind of an architectural drawing of a head. So that's, I am very much a planner.
6: Where are you typically when inspiration strikes?
8: no specific spot. I mean honestly, I that's who I am. I to me anywhere, anywhere anytime from a- anybody.
6: Okay. A place you've traveled to you'd love to go back.
8: Um the Mediterranean, being on the Mediterranean. How do you unwind?
6: Hike, walk, uh, music. What's your definition of
8: feminism? Ooh, feminism. F- Follow your head and your heart. It just kind of almost, and I like can just just do it. I mean, to me, I, I don't even, I don't even, you almost think in terms of my sex. Just to me, it's like have faith in yourself and do it. There you go. What are three words that describe you? Curious, um, determined, and funny. There you go. A
6: book you'd recommend to our listeners? Scaling Up by Vern Harnish. And
8: lastly, how do you end your day? With my family. Being just silly, talking about the day. just Spending time with my family. Excellent. Thanks, Judy. Thank you, Sue
6: next is our Coaches Corner podcast, which is a shorter version of our weekly show and can be heard wherever you get your favorite podcast.
0: I'm BJ Gray with this week's Coaches Corner. Happy New Year. I believe all of us are ready more than ever for a fresh start with 2021. What will your New Year's resolution be? I've spent the holiday binging on a humorous show called Offspring on Netflix about an Australian family and the two sisters are polar opposites. One sister, Billy wears every emotion on her sleeve and ends up vomiting her thoughts without discretion. And the other, Nina, the doctor, is constantly listening to the chatter in her head. And therefore, she's constantly misinterpreting things that are going on. She's frustrated and full of anxiety. And what's interesting is I see this happening all the time in the workplace. Employees are interpreting what is going on with a colleague versus speaking up to verify what they're thinking is accurate. When you don't speak up and only listen to the stories in your head, you start to avoid situations, avoid people, and maybe even back-channel with other colleagues. This is the opposite of a healthy culture and teamwork. I want everyone to make at least one New Year's resolution for improving their mindset. And the one I implore all my clients to make is to reduce the chatter in their head in 2021. So how do you lean into these tricky conversations? Well, I have several examples, but here's a few. Sometimes I start out saying things like, hey, I may be wrong, but are you meaning this? Or one of my favorites is, tell me more. Tell me more about what you're saying or what you're writing in this email. One of the biggest mistakes Nina and Offspring makes is she doesn't listen when people talk, but continues to believe the chatter in her head. So a successful conversation is not only about speaking up with candor and grace, but to get clear with active listening listen without any confirmation, bias, or judgment. Be as neutral as possible. So go on, start 2021 with courage over fear. Have the courage to speak up over the chatter in your head. Cheers, everyone. Thanks for listening to this edition of Coach's Corner. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn or at bjgray.com. Until next time, I'm BJ from Coach's Corner.
3: Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267 261 3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre recorded.
10: Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too.